Thursday, May the 3rd, 2022, coming at you from the beautiful country of Italy. I got a question. Y'all ready for this? Come on, come on. What is going on, Human Hope Familia? Welcome to episode 48. Yes, that is right. I'm coming to you guys from Italia. Hey, hey listen, I Google translated it up. I already, I already looked it up. This is how you say it. Ready? You guys ready? Benvenuto a Italia. Welcome to Italy. That's right. I mean, you may not be Italy, but I am in Italy, and um, and I'm excited about the conversation we get to have today. Uh, but like I like to do every single week, I want to give a round of applause to Derek Webb. Derek, people came with passion and force to hear the conversation we had last week. I'm just... Um, I'm just grateful that Derek is a friend of mine. I'm grateful that Derek is now a friend of the Human Hope Familia, and I can't I can't even begin to tell you how. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know what the word is like. Like how how incredible the conversation was last week. Like how much you guys actually got out of it. When I say got out of it, I mean like life changing stuff. And so. You know, there was just so many people that felt what Derek feels and are thinking what Derek thinks and are going through what Derek goes through. And um, I just want to say thank you for trusting me enough with that conversation. Uh, You're welcome here. And I'm glad that you are here. Um, Gosh, it just was, it was so good. And I'm so grateful. And I love that, that we, again, we gave away 500 bucks last week. Stay tuned. Make sure you continue to subscribe and share the podcast because we will be giving more stuff away as the time goes on. Friends, I am freshly here and jet lagged. I mean, I'm feeling it. We drove from Milan, Italy to, um, I think it's called Moreno. Italy. We're somewhere up north in the mountains. My wife took us straight from our, we had a nine hour layover in JFK yesterday, slept all night on a plane, got in a rental car. I drove three and a half hours. I tried to stay awake, got here, did a zoom call. It's been back to back bumper to bumper. Um, but we're, we're having a good time. So if you guys want to, um, there's going to be some highlights on my Instagram. Um, if you've ever wanted to travel to Italy, we will be doing our best to document this trip. We are just the beginning of the trip. By the time the next podcast comes out next week will be when we are finally going home. So if you're listening to this during the week of March 3rd, just know that we are bumping around Italy. We're having a good time and we're bringing you guys with us. Uh, Speaking of bringing you with us, today's conversation is one that I have been waiting to have for a long, long time. You know, uh, I, I love to I love to talk to people that are my age on the show. I feel like you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, like the people that I talk to on the Human Hope podcast are, you know, they're in their 40s. But then I was like, what if, what if there's some people that are changing planet Earth that are not only in their 30s but their early 30s that are giving Human Hope? Actually, what about their late 20s? And I'm starting to reach out and to have some conversations that some of us old people can maybe get some glimpses of hope from a generation that is rising because it is not hopeless. Uh, It's so weird to even say a generation that is rising because uh, the guest that I have on today's podcast um, became the youngest mayor of any major city in American history. Okay. At the age of 26, he became the youngest mayor of any major city in American history. Okay. So he was the mayor of Stockton, California. And he was lauded for his leadership and innovation. Now, under his stewardship, I haven't told you who it is yet. 
You may know. Some of you guys may know. Stockton was named an All-America City in 2017 and 2018. Saw a 40% drop in homicides. What? What? Like, what kind of like plan do you got to put into effect in your city at 26 years old to be able to see homicides drop 40% in a year? And in 2019, led the state of California in the decline of officer-involved shootings in 2019. He was, it was named the second most fiscally healthy city in California and one of the top most fiscally healthy cities in the nation. He also is featured on an HBO documentary film. Guys, we are, I'm telling you, I told you, we have got some, a 31-year-old human being that has already accomplished more in life than I ever have. Okay, so what we're going to do right now is we are going to relax our minds and our souls for this conversation with my brand new friend and your brand new friend, Michael D. Tubbs. Michael was such an inspirational conversation. And uh, I mean, Michael is doing it, okay? He's got a book called out, called The Deeper Root, The Deeper The Roots. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, all the places. But it's it's a memoir and I love it, of the hope and home. We're the Human Hope Podcast. Why in the world would we not get the youngest mayor of any major city in America to talk to us about hope? And that's what we're doing today. So with that, that's all we need to hop in this conversation. Episode number 48. Friends, please welcome our new friend, Michael D. Tubbs. All right, Human Hope Familia, welcome to another episode. And I'm honored to have with me Michael. And I don't know if you put the D in on purpose, if it's Michael D. Tubbs or if it's Michael Tubbs. <laughs> I don't know how you like to be called, but Michael, why don't you say hey to the Human Hope family? Hey, Human Hope family. Michael Tubbs here. All my friends call me Tubbs, so feel free just to call me Tubbs. That's perfect. That, that sounds good. That sounds good. Well, I've already kind of um, let them know a little bit about your story and about you know who you are. And I feel like a lot of people maybe have heard of you over the last few years uh, because of quite possibly because of the fact that you were the youngest um, mayor in one of, you know, in, in a larger city in America. Uh, why don't you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up, why there was a desire in your heart to go into politics and why you thought politics could be the thing that could possibly bring hope uh, to this certain area of California. Well, feel free to cut me off. Cause I could go. Absolutely. On on. I get you. <laughs> no, yeah. Born and raised in Stockton. My mother, she had me as a teenager. My father was, has been incarcerated for most of my life. So just grew up really at the intersection of a lot of the injustice I was able to work on when I was yeah. there. But it was really the church that really sparked that hope and gave me like a vision for the future. So I was like a child preacher from the time wow. I was seven to the time mm-hmm. I was 17. I was quoting scriptures, giving sermons, et cetera. Um, my pastor would always like have like a prophetic word for me, like like literally all the time. Like one time it was like every Sunday for like two months. It was like <laughs> him, guest pastors. And I wasn't like a kid in the suit. I was in the back slouching. Yeah. And I'm not paying attention. And the pastor was like, Michael, stand up. God has purpose for you. You're going to be a leader. So I, I just heard that so often, despite not hearing that at school, I heard that yeah. so often at church, like, it just became, I, I really began to embody and believe those things. Like, okay. So yeah. like, I, there's, there, and there's, and there's always this purpose. There's great, the world was always, there's great purpose for your life. Like you're, you're, yeah. you're going to do something great. And you as a nine, 10 year old, you're like, Oh, okay. I get, well, the, why would the pastor lie? Right. And I think it, 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 it really sort of 
planted something in me that may gave me sort of the confidence to try to, to be ambitious and to, and to think up bigger than sort of what my circumstance would dictate. So yeah. longer story short, I was lucky enough to go to Stanford for school. And while there, I entered in the White House for President Obama, working with mayors and councils. And I actually okay. hated it. I did not enjoy the job at all. But while there, I love the people. I didn't like the job. But, yeah. but while there, one of my cousins was murdered in Stockton. He was a victim of a homicide, Donnell James. And it was really sort of that pain and that anger that really led me to like pray and like, God, what is this? Like, yeah. why, why is this? And then it turned into like a survivor's guilt type deal. Like, well, all these good things were happening for me individually. Like I was at Google before the White House. I was at like all these things. It seems like every year, just more and more increase. Yeah. But I was like, but what about my family? Like, what, what, what? And so <laughs> I'm going everywhere now, but my daughter's, name, my daughter's name is Nehemiah. Okay. And part of it is because I really resonated in the first chapter of Nehemiah when Nehemiah was like at the king's palace, cut bare to the king, but he had a great burden for his city. Wow. And I felt the same way. I just had such a burden for Stockton. I was like, I have to go back. And I was like 21 years old. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> I was like, no, no, there's, so, I need to go back. And I was really terrified because I said, I, like, I kept getting all these different confirmations. And I was like, if I don't go back, I'm scared what will happen to, like, I ha it's very yeah. clear I need to go back. So it was that, it was that mom, deep inside of you. That deep. And my mom was like, no, all of my mentors were like, no, everybody was like, no. And I was like, I get it, you guys, but I have, there's, there's something for me here. I, I have yeah. to go back. And wow. That's when I ran for city council in 2012. Wow. So 2012 city council, um, you go back. So while you're, while you're interning at the white house, um, what, 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 what was the plan before city council in Stockton? What was it? What was the plan before? Cause you, you're a Stanford, you're a Google, you're now interning at the white house. So what, what, what was the next step before you were, your plans were interrupted? It wasn't clearly defined, right? It was just like, getting more accolades that would lead to the sure. next thing. So, okay, well, maybe it's a Rhodes scholarship. Maybe it's a consulting inter. It was like, make some money and just, fit. but the, what, I, I knew I always wanted to do some part of service though. I just didn't know it would be like my life. My, yeah. that, like what I do. <laughs> like I, I thought I would have a job and then like be on a couple of boards and things like that. Um, so yeah. yeah, the plan, but when I went, no, when I went to the White House, the plan was to go back to Google. Okay. The plan was to go back to Google, spend a couple of years there, maybe go to Oxford and then yep. figure out what to do after that. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, okay. So, I mean, Stockton, like I need people that, that, that don't know what Stockton is. Um, you know, I, so here's the deal. Like my wife's from Fresno. She's central California. Okay, she, she gets it. I get, I, I would, I get it. I, I was actually in Stockton Five weeks ago, uh, giving a talk in Stockton, and I, I hadn't been in Stockton in a long time. It had Where been were you a minute. Speaking? Uh, I, I spoke like it. It was like an entrepreneur's something. Like it was a a gathering. Downtown? Of, yeah. So it was downtown. Um, At the and it, it, yes. So that launch pad thing was one of those things I helped start when I was mayor. One of the things. Really? Okay. 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 <laughs> Round of applause for that. Because I, I mean, so here's the deal. Just to give people context, like you know. 
Stockton isn't like the sexiest city in California, right? It's not like you're like, oh, my, I'm going to Stockton because my star is going to rise and I'm going to, you know, talk to us about the the problems in Stockton and and how you th- and how in some way you thought as a 21 year old. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be somebody that's going to come in and help set the city straight. Yeah. I mean, like that scripture where it says Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like that's, <laughs> right. that's, like, that's this... like Stockton. Um, Stockton's <laughs> like 315,000 people. So it's a big city, but it yeah. feels very small. Yeah. And um, a lot of the, the most diverse city in this country, like the oldest Sikh temple in this continent is in South wow. Stockton. It's the diversity is crazy. Um, but also real challenges. It has a like 25% poverty rate. It has wow. the lowest rate of college attainment of any of the top 100 metro cities in the country. It has wow. sort of legacies of, of racism and all this. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it was, when I came back, we were the largest city to declare bankruptcy. And we have more murders per capita than Chicago. So wow. to your point, a lot of my mentors were saying, if you want to do something in politics, you don't want to start in Stockton. <laughs> They're like, where's the win? Like, what can you possibly do here? It's been so bad for so long. Like, yeah. What? There's no win. Why don't you wait? <laughs> wait. Yeah. Let someone else do the hard stuff. And then if it gets better, you could come back. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But, but I think for me, it was home. Yeah, and, sure. And I, and I think part of it was just being young and very uh-huh. naive. And and dumb and just being like, no, you guys, I, there's something here. I'm supposed yeah. to be here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have the whole plan. Yeah. I just know I'm supposed to be here. We're supposed to do something. Yeah. And then over time, it became really apparent that that sort of intuition, desire was right, that there was so much in Stockton and, and uh-huh. sort of what we were able to do over the eight years. But it wasn't the most opportune place to make a sure. political start. And, and, <laughs> Like my mom said, if anyone had all the people that had the same opportunities you have left and never came back, like, why are you coming back? Like, yeah. no one does that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. No, no one does. When you so you showed up and you were, you did. How long were you in city council? Four years. OK, so you were at city council four years and then mayor for four. Then mayor for four years. OK, OK, uh, man, t- take us take us into, you know, a little bit of. Maybe what what were some of the lids that you were finding you had to bust through some of the ceilings you had to bust through as a young black man, you know, in in city council in, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if, if Stockton is a is a conservative uh, area of California, but, um, you know, I, I can I can only imagine that you were probably running up against some things and maybe some lessons that, you know, that you learned about perseverance while you were there. Yeah. So Stockton's about as conservative as Fresno. Okay. Maybe a little bit less, but it's not, it's, it's not Oakland. It's not San Francisco. Yeah. It's not Los Angeles. It's not Sacramento. Okay. It's, it's, it's very much Central Valley. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it was also just in terms of people's image of leaders. Mm-hmm. And Stockton, the predominant image of young black men my age who look like me, who have a haircut like me, et cetera, were that they're dangerous, that they're criminals, that they're right. part, that they're the problem. So I think for a lot of people, it's hard to see that, person reflected in leadership and mm-hmm. not and taking up space and like pushing an agenda and say, no, this is what we're yeah. going to do. And there's a lot of like, a lot of tension. Um, I think being, whenever you're the first anything, <laughs> that means not that you're the best of your, t- of your, so of your kind ever. Right. But that's <laughs> a lot of institutional barriers. So being the first and then being the first and the youngest at the same time, 
it was just an, an interesting conversation. But one thing I learned, Carlos, and I think you would appreciate this given your work, is that like for some people, I was not going to be able to reach because of things mm-hmm. I had not in my control. But in terms of the seven people I had to govern with, I mean, when I was mayor, my council was four Republicans and two Democrats. Really? Like, yeah, I just built, I was able to build relationships with them and able to sort of get them on a human level, talk about values. And we didn't agree about everything, but we agreed about a lot and we got a lot done. And it was like at least a civil environment for disagreement. Yeah. And I'm so, yeah. I'm so proud of that because people would be like, what, how? And, and it, it wasn't easy. Yeah. But then the second thing is, I think sort of, what I try to do is create the space to allow people to be ignorant, but not to stay ignorant, but to be right. ignorant. So right, like, right, right. Ask a, a ignorant question or a question that's problematic. Well, ask the question so we can get you the answer, right? And I, I think that was something that Stockton forced me to do because many of the titans of industry, many of the city's fathers and mothers were from a different era. We're, yeah. we're, 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 we're we're used, literally used to only black people being like their nannies or the only mm-hmm. black people they interact with being like the help, right? So to have something, and, and this is like 2017. Yeah. So it was, um, it was such an amazing growth opportunity to learn how to work with anybody. But I mean, it, I won't lie, it wasn't easy. Like I think sort of part of the perseverance was rooted in purpose and, and mm-hmm. being that, okay, there's some things I want to get done. So I don't have time to dwell on the slights. I don't have time to really dwell on. But now that I'm no longer mayor, I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like some of this stuff was like really evil. Like some of this stuff was really crazy. Um, But I'm I'm thankful to God though, that the blinders were on. It was just, okay, like how do, with the time we have, how do we govern in a way that's aligned with values, that gets things done. Yeah. um, That we can be proud of. Yeah. That's so great, Michael. I, you know, I, I hear you talking about, um, I, I mean, I, I love the fact that you are governing with four Republicans and two Democrats and, you know, as a young black man, as the mayor and as the one that's leading them, I, you know, I hear from so many people over and over again that they just, I've just lost all hope that we can ever, you know, as a country, I've lost all hope that we can ever come together. I've lost all hope that we can, you know, this and that. And I get it, right? Like, I, I get it that we are, we've got, we've got these devices that constantly are serving us. Um, the problems and serving us uh, not really a lot of solutions. But for those people that are listening to this podcast right that right now that are like, wow, wait a second. So you're telling me that you actually accomplish things with people on both sides of the aisle in your in your you know town of Stockton. Is that actually something that's feasible right now in the in the greater context of what our political system looks like in America. And if it is, how do we get there? You know, no small question here, Michael, but like, you know, uh, how is it possible and how do we get there? I think it's possible, particularly at the local level. Mm. I think sort of um, like, yeah, I think because like my council colleagues, like the one I couldn't stand the most was a Democrat. Like, uh, But everyone else, it was always very civil. It yeah. wasn't like trying to score points for tweets or score right. points. It was just like I disagree, or or we could come together and agree. And it wasn't, and it wasn't. They weren't. They weren't penalized for agreeing with me, even though mm-hmm. many of their supporters may not have liked me. Maybe even though many of their groups behind them weren't necessarily behind me, they weren't penalized by their base. Wow. For getting things done. And I think so wow. what we see nationally is the inverse of that, where Absolutely. if you 
like the way they raise money is to be bombastic. <laughs> the, way mm-hmm. the way to raise money is to demonize the other side. The way to raise money is to um, not, and I, I mean, maybe because of my own partisan politics, it's easier for me to see this on the Republican side because I'm not sure. a Republican, but I'm sure they could have, have a similar discussion. But in terms of this infrastructure bill, which actually is the most apolitical thing ever. And like uh-huh. everyone gets something like to be unable to vote for that. Yeah. Because of political reasons or to be able to unable to vote to have just a commission to look mm-hmm. at what happened when the terrorists ransacked our capital on January 6th. Like to be unable to vote for that suggests something's really corrosive, wrong, corrupt in our in our national positive to figure out. But to answer your question, it's possible, I think it's possible to come together, but I think to come together, people have to let go. I think like to come together, folks have to let go around ideas of like white supremacy and like really take the time to understand what that means. It doesn't mean KKK robes all the time. It means like, I think my kids should have better than those kids. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, like we have to let go of that. We have to let go of sort of bitterness and anger. Like they're never going to change. Like this yeah. country's budget for 400 years. Like we have to let all that go and be like, come on, y'all. What yeah. can we build and create together? And, Always easier said than done, but I mean, we have to do it. Like I, I still see no other way to actually move forward, address right. challenges, create the world we want to live in, unless we all like let go of some things and, and really come together. What an incredible conversation with our new friend, Michael. I wanted to take a moment and share about our show sponsors this week, our partners, especially because I'm using this partner right now while I am in Italy. That's right, Athletic Greens. I'm using my AG1. I took the little packets from home and I'm still using it every single day. You guys know I've been pumping them up. I started taking the Athletic Greens because my gut was messing with me. And I I don't know exactly what the magic is in these things, but I know that I don't eat as many vegetables as I need to eat. And Athletic Greens is helping me get all of that superfood probiotics inside of me. It's supporting my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my energy, my recovery, focus, all of the things, especially as I am jet lagged over here in Italy. So this is what I want you guys to do, Human Hope Familia. I want you to go to athleticgreens.com slash human hope. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash human hope. You're going to get to take ownership over your health, but also Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, the exact ones I have in Italy with me right now, with your first purchase. That's right. Go to athleticgreens.com slash human hope. Now, let's be honest. We know that I'm just, I'm talking to the men right now for a second. Men, you do not go to therapy near as much as our female counterparts. They are better at taking care of their mental health. This is not just like an opinion. Statistics show. So whether or not you're a female that is married to a male, friends with a male, whatever it may be, and you know that maybe maybe they they don't want to go because they don't want to be seen. They got that like machismo stuff happening, which is like, seriously, give me a break. Our mental health is more important than our machismo. If you're a guy listening to this right now, I'm letting you know you can do this and I've got a way you can take hold of your mental health. You can do it with our partners, BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com is online therapy. And I know relationships, they take a lot of work. 
But we take care of ourselves, right? We go to the gym, we exercise, we do all these things with our body. Why don't we do that with our mind and our souls as well? They offer video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Male, female, whatever it may be, it is for you. So this is what you, you got to do. Go to betterhelp.com slash human hope. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash human hope. And you're going to get 10% off your entire first month by hitting in that code. Yeah, that's, that's really good. You know, I do, I do believe that I, I, you know, I, I say it all the time. Something that I say constantly is when somebody asks me where I stand on an issue, I always tell them, I don't stand on issues. I walk with people. And, and mm. what that does is it turns the issue into a human because right, every issue is actually a, a person. And the more we can be in relationship with people, as opposed to just have an opinion on an issue that, that I think that's what you're talking about. And it does sound like at the local level, there is less, um, th- there's maybe less eyes on and, and f- hate being spewed at officials on a local level when they work together as opposed to, you know, on a national level. And I do, you know, I haven't thought about that. Like start local, you know, start local, like actually vote for in your city council elections. You know, how many, how many Americans aren't even doing that? They're not even paying attention because they think, oh, I just got to vote for a president and then that's going to fix everything. You're telling, you're telling me that the president's not going to fix our problems. Is that what you're telling me, Michael? I'm telling you the most important people for your day to day are your mayor, your council, your board of supervisors and your school board, your local elected officials. They wow. control local budgets. They control local funding. They control local priorities. And I, I want to highlight what you said. because You said it so much more concisely than I did. It was all about relationships. Right. It was that was a secret sauce. It was like literally building relationships even with people I vehemently disagreed with on some things, mm-hmm. even with people who I'm, uh, some of their views I felt like abhorrent, but not finding them abhorrent, right? And it really, like, right. I think I just know just from my pastor, when he would talk about his role as pastoring, he always separated the sin from the sinner and that he hated the sin, but he loved the person. Like, wow. this is a God's, this is God's person. Yeah. And I might not yeah. agree with this behavior, but I love the person. And I would try to say, well, like, I'm going like, to love the views, but yeah. I love this person just because they're a person. Now that, because even now, the, my I get more texts from my Republican colleagues on council than my Democratic ones. My Repu- huh. I get a, a text every day from one of them, like a joke, <laughs> a picture, thinking about you. Like it's yeah. really, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> That's so good. No, I, I love that. Um, Okay, so let's lean into you. You know, you talk about in your memoir some of the systemic issues that you know you 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 saw personally with your own eyes growing up. But I, I feel like a lot of times people will hear systemic racism, or they'll hear they'll hear things like that, and it's hard for them to cognitively see it because what they're doing is they're seeing it from a national level, right? So yeah, we hear that that term thrown around on CNN or Fox News, and people. Maybe a lot of my listeners can't see it because they're they're just looking at what that looks like as a national level. Let's bring it down to uh, the mayor of Stockton, right? Like, 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 let's rewind a few years. 
I, I feel like it's going to be very helpful if you can just describe a few of the systemic issues in Stockton yeah. itself that you were able and your city council were able to to put eyes on. And I feel like if we can see it from a small city yeah. level, we will be able to see it at a national level a little easier. And I appreciate that because what I try to do in, in, in the book is sort of use my individual experiences to connect yes. to like you know, this, this policy that did, had nothing to do with me impacted this part of me. But to, yes. in Stockton, I think the best example is around, we have this program called Transformative Climate Communities, which okay. is a state program to invest money in communities that face the brunt of like environmental toxins, like bad air, okay. bad water, et cetera. So in Stockton, there's literally a zip code that has a five-year life expectancy difference, no, 15-year life expectancy difference than the more affluent zip code by the university. Literally, the zip code is three degrees hotter than the zip code 15 minutes away by university. And it's because these aren't acts of God. There's literally policy choices. One policy choice we found was planting trees. The area was three degrees hotter because less trees were planted because the city decided 40 years ago to plant more of the trees by the university where more affluent, wider people live than the south part of the city where um, poorer people live. And like... That was 40 years ago. No one was in decision-making power then that's live today. But the impacts are today where the kids in this zip code are more likely to have asthma than the kids in that that zip code. Not because of choices made. And that's when we talk about system. We're talking about policy. And in that same area, it's near the port. So there's all types of trucks and things that go there, but without trees to mitigate, the, the, that's mm-hmm. why the air is so bad. So the air quality is significantly worse than the air quality 10 minutes away. Housing is more expensive 10 minutes away than where they are. So if you don't have money, you don't have a choice but to live in this place that has all these bad toxins yeah. in the air. But again, these toxins aren't acts of God. Like God did not create this part of Stockton to have worse right. air. It's like right. policy decisions that, that were made. And then these same communities, when freeways were built, that choices were to build freeways. They chose to build freeways in Stockton through the thriving Filipino district, which had more Filipino people than anywhere else in this world outside the Philippines. Thriving commercial, dentists, all the stuff. Highway straight through it. Ramshacked all those businesses, destroyed all that wealth, and also put in more toxins and pollutants in the air. And again, that was a policy choice. I looked at the maps and they said, you know what? We This this community is expendable. And I think that, and I appreciate the question because what I realized sort of just from my friends I went to school with and the work I d- did as mayor and do now is that it's not to excuse ignorance, but a lot of people just don't know and haven't taken the time to learn. But I got so interested in government because I remember freshman year taking a class called the Urban Underclass, Focus on Chicago where the professor just went through policy by policy by policy and showed how it impacted today. And and sort of because of that work in Stockton, we were able to get money to plant more trees. Wow. To to electrify the the trucks at the port, to, to, or last thing, sort of zoning and land use. So planning commissions, which are, part of city governance, unelected people appointed by council members and mayors make land use decisions and land use decisions determine what goes where. It's like the Sims. Hmm. And literally human beings have decided where grocery stores go, where liquor stores go, 
where banks go, where check cash places go. And, and it's all, and again, these are not natural occurrences. These are right. man-made facilitated occurrences that create inequity. And then people get frustrated when we talk about the inequity because they're like, well, I didn't have anything to do with creating it. But that's not the issue. The issue isn't who create who did you personally create yeah. it? The issue isn't even the fact that you personally benefit from it. The issue is that it's here and we have the ability to change it because yeah. people create it. And I think that's a conversation about systemic issues yeah. uh, that, that sometimes gets missed. Well, and it's, it is. And I want to reiterate that it's, it's not placing blame on you. It's asking you to help. You know, like, like that, that's the whole thing, right? It's, it's just like, can, do I have, do I have the opportunity because of maybe some privilege that I have to lean in and create decisions that will in turn affect generations 40 years from now, because they took out, they planted trees somewhere else. Now we can put the trees in now. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, and that's why I'm like, y'all, like we're, we're literally just saying, like I teach, we're trying to teach our kids now. If you see a mess, pick it up. Yeah. I'm not saying you made it. Uh-huh. That's in your, it's in your play area. You, you, do you want to play in that dirt? Like pick it right. up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. No, I love that. I love that. No, this has been so good. What do you think? Um, you know, what would you like the human hope listener that's listening right now um, to, to believe about hope? Like what sort of hope can you leave them with where, where we find ourselves at the point of this recording, the middle of November, 2021, we got, we got stuff happening, you know, 2022, you were, you became mayor right when the national politics switched and there was a, a switch in power. Um, what, how can you leave us with some words of some hope, maybe even from your memoir or just hope that you have in, in where we are as a country and where we can end up going. Yeah. Let me see. I think I have a, at the end, I think I have a page about hope. Yeah. Maybe. I think maybe yeah. if I don't, no, no, it's faith. But same okay, thing. that's why that's still hope. Yeah, it's about it's about it's about hope and anger. Yeah. Um, Instead, the last paragraph it says, okay. "Yes, this rage is not new. It's a companion that I've learned to channel into inspiration, into energy to ensure the setup is as upset as I am, as we are upset. This rage is rooted in faith, the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. An active faith that is alive with works." with communal efforts to ensure our better angels are reflected in the type of society we build. This rage is rooted in love, a deep abiding love in the possibilities of the future and the best of all of us, a love that is not anemic, but ferocious and demanding more and wanting better for all of us. Rage, faith, love. The three, storm, the three stones I will wield, that we will wield as righteous weapons to ensure liberty and justice once and for all. Wow. That is, that is beautiful. That's it right there. I don't know when you wrote that, but that, those are the words that we needed to hear. Um, you know, rage to think that rage could be something that is bottled up for good. You know, I, I think is, is something that we, we really need to lean into. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, cause for me, the, the hope is that, I mean, the world we inhabit is someone's like, it could be nightmarish for us, but it's Mm. also, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, someone's wildest dream. And for me, that's kind of hopeful. It's like, it's not perfect, but tell this to someone 300 years ago that Uh I would be the mayor of a city. Right. What? Like, like that, that, and that, that's what gives me hope, right? I think 
sort of nihilism or not having hope is a luxury. Like that, mm. that's like, it's fine. Like I think, I, yeah, like the folks who are really struggling, they have to have hope because that's how they yeah. keep going. I think it's our job to partner with them and, and, and putting action to our hope. So good. So good. Where, where can people keep up with you? Uh, where can we find your, your brand new memoir? Uh, if we wanted to stay in touch with who, who you are and what yeah, you're doing. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Michael D Tubbs, M I C H A E L D T U B B S. And the book is out wherever books are sold. Amazon, your local independent bookstore, your local library, the deeper the audio book, um, yeah. the deeper the roots. Okay. The deeper the roots. And tell me this. So before people hop onto Twitter or Instagram, I know some people have different personalities on Instagram than Twitter. It's like, I'm a little sweeter on Instagram than I am on Twitter. <laughs> what, 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 are, what are the, what are the tubs characteristics of each of those platforms? I think they're the same. If it, Instagram might feel a little more curated cause I've, okay. I'm not good at like posting stories. Yeah. With, someone has to help me with that. Yeah, but yeah, if it's any video. It's me. Like, like it's, it's okay, the same. Yeah. It's the same raw authenticity. And then you might say, "I wish it was a little bit more curated." <laughs> then, yeah, so good. Especially like treat Instagram like Twitter, and it's not like Twitter. I just go off. I just I know. Yeah, like, I, I like I like Twitter tubs. I'll be honest with you. like I follow Twitter tubs, and Twitter Twitter tubs make me makes me laugh. So uh, no, I I appreciate who you are, man, and thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Thank you for having me, brother. I really enjoyed it. You know, what I what I loved about that conversation is it reminded me of a conversation I had on Instagram this week and why I had the conversation is because I know all sorts of people listen to this podcast. I know that there's people on both sides of the aisle of different faith backgrounds, of different ideas and opinions. And I love that we can have conversations with people and politicians that may not look like us, think like us, act like us, or vote like us, and still maybe pull something away. Um, you know, when I did a poll on my Instagram, gosh, it was last week, I polled and it's about 60-40 left versus right people that follow me on Instagram. Now that, that, that number will fluctuate here and there, but what it shows me is that we have the ability and the potential to come together to do things uh, we may we may think that the way to accomplish things we may come across the uh, across those differently uh, because we have different ways we may want to do it, but the end goal is still the same thing. And that's what I love about this conversation with Michael is that he showed us, hey, listen, I honestly believe that even if we don't align in our political beliefs, we can still work together to get things done. And that's what happened in the city of Stockton. Now. I know people, I know Human Hope listeners that live in the city in the city of Stockton, and they're like, listen, there's a lot more work to be done. It's not like he solved it all. No, there is a lot more work. I, I actually was in Stockton, California a couple months ago, and I saw the work firsthand with my own eyeballs that needed to be done. So I know there's more work that needs to be done. I know that a mayor or a politician is not going to be the one that fixes all the work. That's why I believe that we, as the Human Hope family and the Insta Familia, can maybe be the ones that get this thing going ourselves. Friends, these are the conversations worth having. Michael, thank you so, so, so much for jumping in here and talking to the Human Hope family. Hopefully, Michael gave you guys some hope. He gave me some hope as well. Hey, listen, next Thursday, I will be on a plane going back to America 
And you're not, I promise you, you're not going to want to miss that conversation. It's going to be a conversation unlike you've ever heard before. That is some big, big clickbait, but I'm telling you, it is the truth. All right, guys, from here in Italia, it's Carlitos and the Insta Familia saying, I will see you next week on Human Hope.